Surprise! FitFizz friends! Look at me being all unpredictable and showing up randomly on a Friday instead of the usual Wednesday. As I mentioned, I am doing this raw and unedited sans intro music to bring you part two about trauma, this little mini series. So I have no idea how different this is going to sound from what you normally hear. Probably won't sound as professional, but that's okay. Uh, As I often tell people, done is better than perfect. So thank you for opening your mind to learning about trauma. And today we're going to focus more on how systemic racism impacts health by way of trauma. In case this is your first time listening, please go back and listen to part one, where I went over the differences between little t trauma and big T trauma, racial trauma, birth trauma, ancestral trauma, and I also spoke a little bit about PTSD. I have since learned, since the last show, that PTSD now has a new clinical name. It's no longer called PTSD. They've dropped the D, so it's just PTS, post-traumatic syndrome. Post-traumatic stress is what they're calling it. Um, Clinicians decided that it's better to not call it a disorder because that word alone carries a cloak of stigma, which I definitely have to agree with. So I like that. It's going to take a while for me to get used to, but I like it. Before we go on, I'll quickly introduce myself. I'm Kelly Wilson, owner of FitFizStudio.com. I am a personal trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease educator, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry for over 25 years. I'm here to help you ditch the gimmicks, find strength through your struggles, give you knowledge for making the smartest choices for your own health. And today I'm bringing you more education on what trauma is and how it affects our lives or those who we love and what we need to be aware of in healing it so that it's not passed on to others. Now, as I said last week, this is a very deep topic. So that's why I'm doing a series. And the reason you don't hear the intro music or why the audio might sound different altogether is uh, for me to save on editing costs as well as not being rushed into the 20 minute time restraint. Uh, because doing more requires a bigger budget that I just don't have. But if you find value in learning here with me, and if you're feeling inclined to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash Kelly Wilson, where you can support uh, support me, support the show for $1, $2, or $5 a month. Or if you prefer to just send a simple donation, I'm going to have the my Venmo and Cash App links in the show notes as well. Now, I've re-listened to the last episode myself, and I have to say, I'm disappointed with the stern tone that I had. While I definitely don't like to sugarcoat things, I do aim to be raw in my opinions and what I like to share with you. I didn't like how I sounded, though. I sounded like I was lecturing. So I wanted to let myself sit with it a while and reflect on that before I did this episode. And as I had mentioned, I had a lot of feelings of anger and disgust over so many racial injustices and seeing the pain from so many people bubble to the surface across the whole country. So while I admit that I didn't like my tone, I wanted to say that it was coming from a place of frustration and passion. And like I keep saying, trauma is a huge subject and I'm certainly no expert. So I'm just a health coach trying to convey what I do know about trauma, and much of it comes from learning to accept and learn about and heal my own trauma brought on by several different life events. 
I still have a lot of healing to do on my own with trauma. But if I did come across harshly last week, part of that frustration is coming from a place of not even having the word trauma as a normal part of my my vocabulary until about three years ago. And I have a little bit of a little bit of anger about that. Um, That in itself is a tough pill for me to swallow because nobody in my life was ever like, Kelly, I think you have a lot of unresolved trauma due to this, this and this that's causing your anxiety in everyday life. And it would certainly be transformative for you to heal that. And I can show you how and I'll be there for emotional support every step of the way. I never had anybody like that. Most of us don't. Right. But uh, it would have been transformative if I had. So it wasn't until I knew about the term trauma in a clinical and health sense that I was able to see how so much more of my my own life made a lot more sense than it ever had, along with my behaviors and issues with anxiety and depression and clinically diagnosed anxiety and depression and ways that others would judge me when I would be... Uh, having trauma responses, which we'll learn more about, but dealing with the pain from trauma that came out in ugly ways. But I didn't know that's what it was. And we're going to get into a lot more of that later. So I just wanted to say that if I sounded mad, part of it is simply coming from a place of passion in hoping that people will wake up and start acknowledging a need to heal their own trauma and accept that there is work to be done, but along with doing the work there's that phrase again, doing the work, there's a much more hopeful side to life. Now, also, when I said that watching the George Floyd video was a traumatic event, I also want to emphasize that I meant it in the clinical sense of the word, that professional therapists said it was absolutely a traumatic event and not in just the everyday sense of the word, but in a clinical sense, like clinically diagnosed as trauma. And I also meant it from the aspect of what the viewer was experiencing. The viewer is experiencing that as something traumatic. I mean, it should go without saying that what George Floyd himself experienced was traumatic. But in case that sounded ambiguous last week, I wanted to clarify that. Okay, let's get into talking about racial trauma. So if you don't know me personally, I am half Mexican, half white, and I know that how Latinos are classified under the race category is a very complex thing in itself, that, that, that in itself is a racial conundrum in how the United States was built. Um, if you ever look up the history of the census, it's such a mess. But um, I have been called racist names growing up, and it hurt. And I know that my mom has been hurt by racism, I'm sure, far more times than I'm even aware of, unfortunately. And I've had an interesting perspective on race for most of my adult life by having mostly non-white friends. And it's been an interesting but consistent pattern in my life to be considered white by my white friends and to be considered a person of color by my non-white friends. And as I mentioned, my personal journey last week on deconstructing from religion, there's a Facebook group that I'm part of with deconstructing from religion that also has a subgroup for people of color, because sometimes people of color have different experiences when it comes to deconstructing from religion, when a certain culture 
is so heavily entwined with whatever that religion is. So this is, again, just just give you a little bit of insight to my experiences with race, just something I thought I'd mention. So I was invited to this people of color subgroup for deconstructing from religion. So I I joined. I didn't ask to join. They invited me. Um, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but I have to admit that, like, at first, I felt like I didn't really belong there. But when they wanted me to introduce myself and explain why I was there, it became very clear to me that I was quite welcome there, which was nice. And I realized that my real issue was from within myself and my fear of not being accepted because of the color of my light beige skin or not being of color enough or having a typically quote unquote white last name. And colorism is a whole topic too. If you're looking to read about more things on race, look up colorism. Um, so that's just a l- one little glimpse of one example of my background with race. There we go. There goes that unediting that I told you about. I didn't turn off all my alerts. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Because of this very much needed uprising of Black Lives Matter and how it relates to trauma, I feel that it's important to mention some things that Black people in America specifically deal with. To make sure that nobody tries to come at me in the future, I want to make a little disclaimer here by clearly stating that I am not trying to be any kind of spokesperson for Black people and I'm not claiming to know what the Black experience is like. However, I'm also very aware that Black people are rightfully tired of having to explain these things to white people. I've interjected myself into several conversations on Twitter over the years, reminding Black friends that it is not their job to educate white people on Black culture or Black history or anything at all. When I've seen white friends essentially asking Black people to explain things, and I see my Black friends being frustrated, I will speak up and say, hey, it's not your job to explain this and tell the white people to go figure it out on their own. And I've seen several things recently that Black therapists and counselors are exhausted from working overtime these last few weeks. And most of it is non-paid because everyone who is not Black has been turning to them for anti-racism resources and depleting them of their very useful and precious energy. And they're giving and giving and giving so much without getting a whole lot in return right now. So that is a huge reason why I'm choosing to not have an expert on the show at this time. I definitely will in the future. I just strongly feel that the action that needs to be taken right now is by non-Black people in America. Because Black people didn't ask to be kidnapped and brought here against their will and abused for centuries and then enduring centuries of trauma that systematically works against them in so many ways to this day. So I hope that nobody will point a finger like I'm trying to be a know-it-all about racism in America, but I'm hoping that this will just open a door for my non-Black listeners to do more reading on their own after I list a few things that have created immense trauma for Black families in America since their ancestors were brought here as slaves. So to my Black listeners, this next part is old news for you. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. But again, it's not your job. <laughs> so, but, you know, if you do so wish, I'm open. Um, I'm guessing that a lot of you might, n- I'm guessing that a lot of you who are not Black might not have had conversations about things like systemic oppression or structural racism. 
If you haven't, I'm not shaming you, but there's no time like the present to learn, right? Now, what comes to mind when I say those terms? Do you automatically see the connection between systematic racism and things like health and disease? There is a connection there, and that's why I'm talking about it. And what falls in between that links things like systematic racism with a higher prevalence of disease in Black communities? It is trauma. Because it lives in the body, and it's carried from generation to generation if it's not healed. And I promise I'm going to explain more on that next time. I know I keep saying that. But first things first, I need to make sure that you understand the multiple ways in which racism and oppression are at work all the time because of the incredibly horrendous way that this country was founded. So I'm going to list maybe about 10 ways or so. And keep in mind that each one of these could each be talked about for hours and hours and hours and how it's problematic in racism in America. But in order to stay on track, I'm really just going to give a list because the main point here is awareness and to get you thinking and hopefully you'll go read more about it on your own, that just the awareness of what is at play. Uh, The extent that the government goes to to make it hard on black families and other marginalized people like Latinos and natives. So Racial trauma. When I say it, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Maybe poli- police brutality? If so, that's a start. It, that is one example of both systemic and structural racism that has got to be eradicated. And that is a note that, again, I, keep, I say this all the time. That's another show in itself. But it's a major part, but it's only one part nonetheless. There are still more issues happening in black communities and communities of color and other oppressed communities. So here's that list that I said I was going to give you. So if you want to write these down so you can learn more on your own for my non-black listeners, that's great. So here's the list. Housing, voter suppression, lack of access to medicine and healthcare, education, sexual harassment, sexual discrimination, gender discrimination, One example of that that I want to give is that black women are much, much, much more likely to die in childbirth, partly because, well, it's racism, because they're expected to endure greater amounts of pain. And why is that? Well, I, I hate to even say it, but it's true. It's rooted all the way back to the days of slavery. And that carries over with the way women are treated, black women are treated when they are in labor in the hospital. They're not even given painkillers. As soon as white women are, they're just expected to endure pain. That's so racist. And if you look up the statistics, I should have looked it up before I started the show, but it's like astronomically different. Oh, okay. Continuing my list. Pay equity, financial freedom, domestic violence, gentrification. If you don't know what that is, please look that one up. It's a big one. Food justice and food deserts. And that's not a complete list by any means. But those are great starting points if you want to look those things up and learn how that impacts black communities and communities of color, marginalized people. But these are the types of things that were completely off my radar until I had more black friends than I had white friends starting in my early 20s. And I 
because of that, I became comfortable being around conversations about race and these types of things with my black friends, just listening to them, mainly on how these things affect them. That's part of their normal daily conversations. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't know about these things. I never asked anyone to teach me either, but I learned because of the conversations about these things that are normal for black people in America to have. And once I started to realize how all of these types of things affect them, I did take it upon myself to learn more years and years ago, long before 2020, because I was embarrassed that these things were not even on my radar for the first half of my life. And in a way similar to health, it was like the more I knew, the more I felt I needed to keep learning. And the more I knew, the more I realized there was so much that I didn't know. And while Black people are out here fighting for their lives and at risk of being brutally traumatized by police over something that might start off as a simple traffic stop, then they end up fighting for their lives. And if they do live, they're expected to keep going as if the painfully inflicted trauma never even happened. And I figure the least the rest of us can do is raise our awareness on these things and open our ears and look for opportunities to fix it. And oh, there goes another alert. (laughs) And to understand the level of trauma they might be born into simply because of systemic racism. Now, Black families are having conversations about what to do if the police pull you over that white families never have to have. Over the past few weeks, I've had several of my Black friends share what they do in the talks that their parents gave them about how they need to operate and behave if somebody pulls, if a cop pulls them over for uh, anything, you know, speeding, a taillight out, or absolutely nothing at all, um, so that they don't end up being another George Floyd. And if you've never had to have those conversations, that's white privilege. That's what it is. And let's talk about some other forms of racial trauma as well. The kids that are trapped in cages at the border between Mexico and the U.S., and the lifelong impact of trauma from being ripped away from their parents, as well as everyone being detained at the border without proper health care, without food, without enough water or basic hygiene products. They don't have things like tampons or showers or medicine, certainly no comfort of any kind while they're awake or when they're asleep. And the discrimination against undocumented people trying to make a living in America Everything is stacked against them so drastically. So even the people who are hardworking and law-abiding and are simply trying to survive, they also have deeply rooted trauma from just the, the way that racism is stacked against them. Systematic racism. And since the education and healthcare systems are severely stacked against them, it's highly unlikely that even if they gain financial stability 20 or 30 years down the road, they are still fighting such a hard battle that getting any sort of trauma therapy to heal from trauma that will be passed on in their DNA to the next generation or getting access to healing trauma or even knowing that healing trauma is a thing, there's such a slim chance of that. And that's why it's so important for me to reach as many people as I can with these episodes, because even if it doesn't apply directly to you, I hope it will raise your awareness for seeing 
other people's hardships in a new light and hopefully have more empathy for them. And we keep hearing this word anti-racist, right? So I've been asking myself where I could be more anti-racist. And it makes me sad to say this, but I'm vowing to do better. But for example, in past offices where I've worked, there have often been Mexican people cleaning and there have been times where past coworkers would be blatantly rude to them or make racist remarks behind their backs to other coworkers. And I've failed to stand up in that sense on the spot vocally. I didn't use my voice. I wanted to many times, but I froze. I was speechless. And I'm ashamed of that. So upon reflecting on this, I thought I was being a nice anti-racist person by always making extra efforts to smile at Mexican people who were cleaning in these office buildings and to say hi to them and maybe say something in Spanish to them if I could and maybe ask them how they were or try to get to know them if I could, if they seemed open to it. Because I know that so many people don't even acknowledge them. But that wasn't enough. And I promise that I will never let those things slide ever again. I should have been vocal on the spot, even if it meant calling out the CEO or losing my job. And I really regret the times I wasn't brave enough to say something. If they had no idea, other coworkers had no idea that it was hurting me. Because once again, white people only see me as white. But it does hurt. <sighs> so this was raw, right? <laughs> so <sighs> many undocumented immigrants are treated so poorly in this country. Just in a general day-to-day -day sense, they are often unacknowledged, ignored, or treated less than. And that is absolutely racism. Imagine how scary it must be to feel like ice could come in and yank you at any second while you might not even speak English. And there's literally nobody there to advocate for you and you're not allowed to contact your family. That's absolutely traumatic. Just the what if. What if ice came today hanging over your head every single day? And I know a lot of people will argue, well, then you shouldn't come here illegally then. But a lot of the time, they'd be facing even worse trauma if they didn't at least try to make a living in America. Trauma that will remain in the body probably for a lifetime and yet again passed on in their DNA to future generations. Now, I heard this next point on a podcast that's called Code Switch. There's another learning point if you don't know what code switching is look that up. Um, but the podcast is called Code Switch by NPR. And it, it was an episode about undocumented Americans. And they pointed out that second responders are often undocumented workers and exposed to the most dangerous situations with very little things. So we've all heard of first responders, right? Police, firemen, EMTs. But then we've got second responders. And they are the people who come in after the injured victims of disasters are taken away. And the second responders are essentially picking up the pieces from disasters. So they are 
cleaning up explosions, toxins, cleaning up after a fire or a flood, or cleaning up glass, blood, wreckage, or whatever. So they're not only exposed to the traumatic energy of these events, but they basically get no thanks, like the first responders always do. They get paid very little, and they have extremely high rates of illness and disease due to exposures from their jobs. So there's a high prevalence for them to be suffering from things like insomnia, depression, PTSD, anxiety, autoimmune diseases, digestive issues, and a very high rate of cancer. All of these things are forms of trauma stacking up with each instance. And there are endless atrocities that Native Americans have endured as well over the past 400 plus years. There's trauma after trauma after deeply painful trauma, and they certainly don't have access to adequate health care, all because of the racism that this country was built on. It's truly gut churning. If you haven't recently read any articles about what's happening in Native communities, there's a learning point for you to, to take off on your own and really put some thought into what's actually happening. Um, I do want to stay on topic, though, so let me pull all of this back to the beginning to say that all of these things are a few of the ways that racism is tied to trauma, which is then tied to disease. Also, right as I was putting this show together, I took a break and I scrolled through Twitter and I happened to see a tweet from a black woman who was a dietitian. And she tweeted something to the effect of, I tried to go find the actual tweet and I couldn't find it, but it was something to the effect of this. They always taught us in school that people of color have higher disease rates. And I always just accepted that fact, but they never told us why. And I never questioned it. Okay. So that was the gist of her tweet. So even her as a well-educated black woman in the health industry, she realized that she was just starting to learn on her own why that is. They didn't teach her that in school. They just said it was a fact and that was it. To me, that's pretty racist that they don't elaborate on why. So in case you're still not quite seeing the correlation, let me explain why. And I'm going to give you an overview of why this is. So we have all of these racially rooted hardships that people of color face, which results in clinical trauma both big T trauma and little t trauma. And trauma is really an immense level of stress, right? So I've mentioned several times on previous episodes how stress can lead to various autoimmune conditions as well as precursors precursors to disease, which are big red flags saying, hey, you, you better take care of this right now or else I'm going to have to hit you over the head with a full-blown debilitating autoimmune disease. And those big red flags are things like food sensitivities, digestive issues, extreme fatigue, severe sleep issues. And I'm sure that any of you listening can relate to things like having an extremely stressful time in life that makes you maybe not be able to eat or anxiety that makes you sick to your stomach. This is just, you know, basic stress that even privileged people with healthcare and a job experience that can lead to health issues and autoimmune conditions and a depleted immune system. But take that level of stress that privileged people with healthcare have 
and multiply it many times to a clinical level of big T trauma in the sense of all of these oppressive systems that are stacked against black people and undocumented immigrants and other people of color. So much real hardship and no days off and no vacations ever, no holidays, no health care, trauma after trauma after trauma from generation to generation to generation. It's all a very steep mountain of trauma. And if the immune system is the foundation of health, these people really have no foundation to build up from. So that's why they're more highly impacted by disease and poor and declining health. So as I mentioned in the episode about mitochondria, the mother's microbiome and mitochondria are passed on at birth to every newborn baby. And the microbiome is a major part of the immune system. So if extreme stress and trauma are breaking down a mother's immune system, like imagine a mother living with systemic racism and all of those levels of trauma adding up and she's about to give birth, but all of that stress from all of that trauma is breaking down her immune system and damaging her mitochondria, damaging the microbiome. And her baby is going to then be born with that weakened immune system and not so healthy mitochondria. And they're certainly not in a position to be able to see functional medicine doctors or be able to have access to finding out which natural supplements they can buy to fix it. That stuff is so far out of reach for them. It's really an extreme privilege for anyone. So that's why the whole system of oppression in America is set up to make it nearly impossible for generations to break out of these very racist cycles. And that's why we see much higher incidence of disease in Black and Hispanic communities in racist America. Then it's also important to remember that even though I formatted today's talk about trauma in a way that relates to systemic racism, Take some time to reflect on other types of trauma that you have been through in your life or that your loved ones have been through and refer back to the last episode again if you need to for some examples on big T trauma and little t trauma. And I bet it, if you really reflect on what traumas have taken place for you and the ones that you love, I bet it's not going to take long for you to identify those who have been through trauma and correlation to related health issues that they might have. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who has been through trauma will end up with health issues, but even take a look at food sensitivities. Now, remember, I just said a little bit ago that food sensitivities are a big red flag, that if you don't take care of it to heal it or reverse it or, you know, supplement, it's a big red flag that something worse is going to happen, probably autoimmune related. But if you think about the trauma for you or anyone you love, Think about, do they have food sensitivities? Because remember, that's where a lot of this correlation starts. If it's not healed, it escalates into, into something more serious and more complicated health issues. So take a look at when food sensitivities started or ask the people, people you love. It was, it's very likely that their food sensitivity, sensitivities started soon after a traumatic event in their life. Now, if this is bringing up any light bulb moments for you, I would love to hear about it. 
Connect with me on social media by searching for FitFizz or send me an email at kelly at fitfizzstudio.com of what you have learned so far that has helped you to reflect or help you to realize anything new. I would love to hear about it and maybe even read it on the show if you give me permission. So that was a lot. This was part two, but I will have a couple more things to say. Um, Remember, you can set up one-on-one health coaching sessions with me where we can talk face-to-face over video, go over your personal health concerns. I can be your health concierge and give you my best recommendations and resources for whatever you're struggling with to help you feel your best. I can also also share a lot of knowledge that you will never hear from a doctor. And if you have digestive issues or maybe you want to discuss natural supplements or finding a doctor near you, um, I can help with all of that. Also, you know, if you want to eat healthier, what kind of training program, any of it, we can discuss all of it. It's totally up to you. And you can um, book your own appointment by going to fitfizzstudio.com slash coaching. And also, I got some good news before we leave. Be on the lookout for online group training classes. I did a couple free classes last week. It went very well. I did a family dance party. I did a uh, mobility class for seniors. And so seniors, if you're out there listening, I would love to have you. You're important to me too. And I want to keep everybody active. Um, I'm excited to do a lot more. So keep following FitFizz on social media for all of the details on that. The platform that I'm doing it on is really cool. And they're adding a lot of cool new features um, even in the next week or so. So it's going to be really fun. Join me. We can reach your fitness goals together. Um, I hope you'll be looking forward to part three as much as I am. I'm finally going to get to the part where I explain generational trauma or ancestral trauma. This is super interesting and worthwhile stuff to know. And I'm also going to be talking about trauma bonds, trauma responses, and what can be done to heal trauma and much more. So thank you so much for sharing your time with me. Let me know if you learned something. And until next time, be gentle with yourself and keep breathing.